What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone. The What Podcast with Brad, Barry, Lord Taco, dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene. Brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in Brooklyn, where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born. Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at thewhatpodcast.com work. Also really good at identifying babies, loves blue-haired moms, PBR, and his beautiful Volkswagen bus. We all fell in love with the Bonnaroo Festival years ago, not only because of the amazing bands that play there every year, but also because of the incredible community spirit that has developed around it. Radiate positivity. And we really like talking about the inside baseball stuff when it comes to putting on a huge music festival. So join us. You can hear the What Podcast on the Consequence Podcast Network or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year? That matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corder. It is a What Podcast exclusive. A little road trip that we took up to Knoxville, Tennessee to visit now our best friends in the world. And we hope they are yours as well. Wasn't that crazy? I'm still sort of trying to get over. Is what crazy? What? what the trip? What the should fact- we be? What? What did we do, Barry? Well, all I know is what a week ago we had this crazy idea mm-hmm. to ask maybe Ted Heinig, vice president of AC Entertainment, to be on the show. Okay. Called him and he said, Ah, you don't want to talk to me. How about I get you the two guys that booked the festival? Book the lineup. And I, of course, said no. Who would want that? You really drive a hard bargain. You really do. <laughs> who, who would want to know how they pick the bands that, right. that are on that lineup? Well, our rider was very long. We needed a lot of things to go right before we could yeah, the make the trip all the way to Knoxville. And this is what we've got for you today. Today, we get to talk to the guys that actually booked the festival. So whether or not you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, listening on your iTunes, uh, or any of your devices, we appreciate you being a part of the What Podcast. That's Brad. I'm Brad. That's Barry. I'm Brad. Barry Gorder. I think that's right. I'm Brad Steiner. Uh, so I guess this officially kicks off season three of a podcast. Yeah, and that, and that's why I thought Ted made sense. You know, let's let's start with the the big cheese, so to speak. We like to have we've had before. We like to have somebody from the festival sort of set the table for us most times. Set the table, and yeah, I mean, I I kid obviously when he said, "How about the two guys that booked it?" Because we're still talking about that lineup, you know, yeah. and then to get the guys that right. did it, and uh, plus he gave us the idea, which makes us much happier. We <laughs> don't like. We ran out of ideas. Yeah, no, it's terrific. <laughs> what? I mean, what's your takeaway from from that conversation? Well, I, I mean, you guys are going to hear. It's probably going to be what two parts? It's a two part. So much they gave us so much time. Yeah, they uh, could not have been more generous with their time. Could not have been more gracious. Uh, they gave us so much more information than I think that we ever could have asked for. It really is sort of a masterclass on how to do this. I mean, I don't really foresee myself ever starting a music festival, but if you are a nerd, and I'm guessing that you are about these kind of yeah. things, since you're listening to this. Uh, 
it's going to be a masterclass on how this all gets put together and, and includes like tidbits of information and some breaking news too through the two parts and hopefully uh, you like it because there is a uh, there's a ton in here to talk about and so here's what's going to happen it's going to be a two-parter but if you are a Patreon if you want to sign up to be a Patreon on the whatpodcast.com the Patreons are going to get the video in its entirety right now uh, if you are uh, not a Patreon we still appreciate you listening but it's going to be a two-parter we'll release the next uh, episode next week and once these come out we're on. We're every we're week, on. right? Every That's week. The plan. Every week until, uh, you know, I sleep in one morning. Let me ask you, though. we, The things that we've talked about over the last three years, mostly confirmed by our conversation? Or were there some real surprises to you? Or I felt like we're pretty close. What we've been saying over the years, there were a couple of things... I was surprised that it's just two guys. I was about to say that. Right now. Yeah, it's where it starts from the from the AC Entertainment building in Knoxville. The fact that it's really two guys. Now they will talk. Look, the thing that I took away first and foremost the most was that they're very humble. They're yeah. insanely humble. Yeah. And and I know that they really want to give the credit to a lot of other people. And that's just in their nature. They're gonna, you know, say that, you know, management and artists are really great and artists, you know, got so, lucky, da, da, da. Right. Yeah, and, they... and they're gonna, you know, uh, say really great things about the audience. And all these things are true. And I'm sure they have a great team that really goes through and 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 helps them with hip-hop where they probably um, don't know as much or a, right. a certain genre. Not saying that they don't know anything about hip-hop, but I'm sure that they want to give the credit to a lot of people. But that is pretty surprising. If it was me, if it was you and me doing it, I wouldn't be giving credit to anybody. <laughs> I did this. Yeah. That and the year-after-year planning uh, that goes into it. Like they said, they're a year and a half mm-hmm. they will start out. So they're already working on next year. Right. And just to be at, because you and I have been involved in planning events and not to this level, but next level maybe. The it, it almost seems like you have to start fresh every year, but they don't. Right. So they're already thinking four or five years out even. Maybe. With some of those those big, big acts. Not this year, but, you know, well, I mean, four years. that. That was interesting. Well, I mean, go back, going back to a piece of news that I heard uh, a few months ago, and that Coldplay was going to be out not only for this year but also in 2021 because of the way that they, you know, do their do their tour schedule. Now that may it definitely came true in 2020, but I don't know if it's if it's you know going to work out in 2021. What I think that you can probably do a lot easier at this point right now is probably start marking people off of the yeah. off of the list. And what I found to be so refreshing is when he started talking about Steve started talking about how they're you know they have a idea what they want to do but they can't predict the cycle they can't predict who's going to be big they really have to go yeah. with their gut and i and i asked a specific question because i really do wonder how much of this is you know how much roi they can get return on investment how much of it's data driven and you know they acknowledge that some of it because they've got to sell tickets and make money but the part where I think I'm most surprised is how much gut really plays into all of this. What does just they know what the the festival is and they know what the feeling is supposed to be that they can see a band, feel it, hear it, and then know exactly where it's going to be for the rest of the yeah, festival. Yeah, you you got some great information, especially out of Stephen talking about the data. They definitely look at the data, but the other thing that stands out is the night before that lineup dropped. Yeah. And the week leading up, he's he's 
his wife is like, this is really good. Yeah. And his response is, he's like, I don't know if this is very good. The night before, he's like, is this going to be good or not? You're going to enjoy this a lot. If you're getting, if you're a Patreon, we appreciate you. Uh, Man, we we can't thank you enough. You get to see the whole thing in its entirety right now. Uh, For those that are not a Patreon, sign up if you want to. Thewhatpodcast.com. Enjoy it. Our conversation with Steve. Ted and Brian from AC Entertainment, the guys that put together the 2020 Bonnaroo lineup. Enjoy. This is one of the uh, the great honors in the history of the What Podcast. I can't believe that we're doing this outside of uh, being inside a radio studio or uh, at Camp Nut Butter. We very rarely take this show on the road, and I can't believe we've been invited to sit down inside the... Uh, the building where it all happens with the people that literally craft your Bonnaroo experience and create the feeling that you have every single uh, year. I can't believe we're here, Barry. I'm really excited about this. One of the things that I think separates us from maybe some other shows is that we try to go to the source and get the actual information when we can, rather than just sort of dealing, you know, rumors or our own thoughts and opinions, though we do that too. Um, But we are actually in Knoxville in the offices of AC Entertainment, the guys, the co-founders of the festival were here with Ted, Stephen, and Brian. Brian and Stephen are the guys that actually booked this lineup that we're so excited about. And Ted, you told me earlier in the week that tickets are selling really well. It's been a great year so far. And what we want to talk about today are the things that, like, how did it come together? How do you guys do this? And why does it seem like maybe this year is different than any of the others? Uh, so it's sort of a, you're you're going to let us look behind the curtain, so to speak. Yeah, because this is a really hard thing to do. You know, it's a very difficult thing, and I'm sure it started so long ago. And you get to see it on paper be delivered like a week and a half ago. Uh, I can't imagine what that feeling is like when you finally get to hit enter or send on an email. I'm done. I'm absolutely done with it. Um, I, I guess how long ago did it start putting what happened on paper? Um, and in our eyes and on our, on our phone, How, when did that start? When did that process start for 2020? You know, the 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 process it's changed over the years. Um, it didn't used to be um, really as long of a process as it is now. Um, but I'd say we work on the lineup for probably it's close to a year and a half, basically. Um, so we will start booking. Um, the next year's Bonnaroo well before Bonnaroo actually plays through. So, for example, Bonnaroo 2019 in June, we will have started on the 2020 lineup well before that. Right. And in fact, we're already yeah, we're, conceiving we're already and now. getting to work on 2021 right now. One of the things I think we want to do is ask and then answer the questions that people out there listening to this podcast might have. And that was one of them. Uh, that you had asked Jeff Quayar is this idea that if we can't get an act this year, maybe we can get them next year. And I think that some people think, uh, I think some people think you guys just sort of walk in, sit down at the table with a wish list, 
and then go and get it. And it's uh, it's not that easy. Is it? No, it's not. It, is, it, it does not work that way at all. Um, obviously, there's um, you know lots of factors that play into whether or not ultimately ends up on the lineup or not. Um, and we can you know we can talk about some of those if you'd like. But um, it is a it's an intense process. It's it's one that is uh, it's a daily process for Steve and I going through it. Um, you know, we get thrown curveballs all the time. Um, and yeah, in terms of booking far out, you know, I think if we could book this thing, the, the closer to uh, the lineup announcement, we could actually book all the bands, the better, right? Because mm-hmm. the more information we have about what is out there that's happening that's hot that's exciting in that moment the further out you are it's it's so hard to project ahead um i don't know really what the next great you know jam or hip-hop or electronic act is going to be in june of 2021 i don't know that yet right i don't even know what the cycle is going to be like i don't a year and a half from now but there are some there are some givens there, yeah. right? That we know that are usually the artists that are going to be near or at the top of your lineup every year that we can start to work on. And in fact, a lot of those acts, um, some of the bigger named acts that you see play Bonnaroo, sometimes we have to work on that years out, if not, you know, five, six years out. You know, some of these, you know, some of the biggest artists that have ever played the lineup those are manifestations of conversations that we've had for five, six, seven years in regards to planting the seeds, going and taking meetings with artists themselves and their managers and their agents and their representatives, asking them, asking them to come. And this was true, um, especially in the early days of the festival. We would um, we would ask people to come because we firmly believe there's nothing like this event. Not obviously not in the country, but really in the world. I mean, this this festival is there's something like Bonnaroo, and so we would ask artists and agents and managers and representatives just just come come see it come see it come come see it for yourself come experience it come understand it come see the production come see the stages come see the come see the fans because that's the number one thing that that's our number one selling point to artists is we have the best audience in the country yeah i'm I'm betting early on when you were booking this when you asked acts to come to manchester tennessee in june you got a lot of why in the world would I want to go and sweat my rear off, my rear end off there? That definitely happened on a number of occasions, right. and, uh, and and you know, um, you know, a, a lot of times that um, that would really set the stage for us to land, um, to land and act, whether it be yeah. the next year or the following couple of years. So it still it still happens. There we right. do have some anecdotes of people being like, "Why should I come play this festival in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, yeah. in the middle of the summer?" And then you just you know you try to explain it and you try to you know sell the story and tell the story. It's amazing that people still need to be told the story. But uh, to to reset the table for a little bit, um, first off, when you guys go to uh, put together whatever it is that you put together for, whether or not it's big years or um, Bonnaroo, is it done in this room or is it done over your phones or is it done at a show uh, where where does it all come it's together everywhere yeah. it's constant i mean you know Brian and i are constantly in communication about Bonnaroo. you know i'll be you know for instance you you ask about like timeline and like when we book it and things like that i mean we in, in september had king gizzard and the lizard wizard play a show mm-hmm. in asheville outside 
and I'd seen this band, listened to them. We've you know talked about them for Bonnaroo, but when I went and experienced that show, I was yeah. there, and I was like, this band has to play Bonnaroo right. this year, and it has to play. I'm, not, I'm giving something away here, but late night at Bonnaroo, mm-hmm. like it's just a must for this mm-hmm. year. And that was there, and I probably I don't remember if I texted you or slacked you or emailed you or something while it was happening. And so, the, so it's constant, you know, it's constantly, you know, it's in our offices, it's in this room, it's in Ashley's room, it's at dinner, it's at a show, and you know, it's driving, we're out, you know. And you know, be, and you know it's going to be a certain time of day because it's just a feeling that you have, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but where did that, where did that start? How long have you guys uh, been in this, in this building, crafting this experience, making my festival what it is? How long have you guys been doing it? How long have we been doing it? Yeah. Individually. Like yeah. individually? Well, we, we've been in this building <laughs> for only two years. Yeah, it's right. Physically here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but like. We promoted like two years ago out of the slums. And like, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, as far as like, when did we yeah. start? Wait, wait, like, did, like the Bonner, like our first, personal Bonner yeah, story? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, each of you. How many years have you been booking? Oh, well, when did we start? Like, Brian and I... Honestly, I have no idea. I can't remember I, I, you know, were brought into the booking process at Bonnaroo. It's years been... Ago. We've each been on the Bonnaroo booking team for over a decade. Yeah. Yeah, wow. so it's we've been yeah. a part of it in, in one way, shape, or form for... Yeah. Probably... It's probably been longer than that, really. Yeah. Honestly, I can't remember what year it was each of us started yeah. on the booking side. So but, when you say the booking team, how yes. many people does that encompass? That's a good question. Yeah. And it's changed over <laughs> it, Exactly. That's why it's a, it's, yeah. it's a tricky one. Um, the festival for a long time was booked by uh, actually a, a, a committee of folks mm-hmm. um, that, that Steve and I were a large part of. We had, obviously, uh, our, our colleagues at Superfly, and they were very much a part of that process as well. Uh, and they would have folks from their side, and we would join together. Each team would come um, with ideas, and, and we would collaborate, and that would be um, uh, you know a, a couple of times a week sort of a process that would you know somehow some way even some years we don't even understand how we did it but it would spit out a somewhat coherent if not incoherent lineup um and um and obviously that's not how it's done anymore because um you know uh, a superfly not being involved but um you know just to speak to recent history the last two years have been essentially uh, Steve and myself calling oh. shots and making the moves. Yeah. So, and, and then, real quick though, throw, we got to throw this out there. Bobby Clay from correct. C3, he does the programming for the other stage, yeah. which we launched oh, how many years ago? I can't remember now. Four, four, four years, years ago. Like that. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's the, the mastermind behind the, um, he does a the, job the EDM stage, you, you, you know. Now I know each lineup is is sort of like a, a child for you, but I'm guessing you're insanely proud this year. Well, we we're proud of every year, um, but especially this year. Um, I'm really happy with how it came together. Um, obviously, we've been elated to see yeah. the the response from. Um, you know the fans, the community, the the press. Every, everybody's yeah. everybody's really um, you know kind of rallied around this one, and uh, I just think it speaks to the overall balance of the bill. And you know that is obviously what we strive for every year. Right. Um, we want a really balanced lineup. We want people to feel like 
There's all kinds of different music showcase. We want people to feel like I can only see this lineup on the farm in Manchester. And that really is, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's one of the things that we pride ourselves on. That's one of the things that we talk about all the time, that there are certain bands that you can just see in your head at Bonnaroo, maybe on the what stage at three in the afternoon or even three in the morning. My morning jacket is a perfect Bonnaroo act, in my opinion. There are just some acts that even when you hear them on the radio, maybe you can just picture, you know, you can just picture them on the farm. But what is the the simple mission of the festival? What does management want from you guys in regard to booking the festival? Do they Do they give you any sort of guidelines or anything in particular um and of course as we agreed there are bonnaroo bands that and i assume that means there are some that maybe aren't bonnaroo bands well yeah that's (laughs) it's it's hard to answer i first of all i'll say that um from a uh, from a management perspective, um, and I, I think this is a real credit to how Bonnaroo's structured and set up. Steve and I pretty much have creative freedom to book this thing the way we feel like we need to book it, um, and and that really enables us to, um, you know, put together the best lineup that we possibly can with little to no restrictions, really. Um, and and that's a great place to be um, in terms of a mission. Um, it's it's hard to put into words. Yeah. I, I'll only say that, you know, because we have been a part of the planning and booking process for the lineups of this festival for over a decade, probably 12, 13, 14 mm-hmm. years, we, we just kind of know what it is that we want or that we're trying to do out there. And, um, you know, every year the lineup takes on a life of its own. And it's just kind of how it should go, you know, and um, it, it kind of all depends on who we think we're going to end up with usually at the top um, that a lot of a lot of that, it, it, you know, the headliners do in, in some ways dictate the undercard really? because, yeah, because, you know, if if you you know, if we're going to say um tool is going to be an anchor of of our festival this year um and we don't have any other bands on the bill that tool fans want to see then 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 that is then then we're not we're not booking we're not we're not booking properly and we're not putting together the best lineup that we possibly can and and really um catering to those to the audience of the headliners it's not all done that way, but we definitely think about things like that yeah. a so, lot. So how much of that is data-driven uh, versus your heart or your head? Well, your head? It's a head versus heart argument, right? So how much are you looking at data and maybe where it's succeeding somewhere else? Or how much is it is, I just saw this show and I've got to have this on the farm? It's both. I mean, we look at data for sure, um, but we also follow our hearts, mm-hmm. you know, because there are if you just look at raw data, there's acts out there that are way bigger mm-hmm. than the acts at the top of our festival, but don't necessarily make sense right. at Bonner. Fit that overall Bingo. mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, Lizzo's numbers are insane this year, but when we first started talking about Lizzo, you know, we were kind of, you know, she was big, mm-hmm. but we were taking a, a bit of a leap of faith 
a big part of that was based on our gut and our heart right. and looking at this act and being like, could there be a, a better Saturday night main stage headliner this year than Lizzo? Like on Bonnaroo. Well, yeah, you, know? you took a gamble and it worked because there's nobody more of the zeitgeist and more of what I think the Bonnaroo mission is from Bingo. afar is yep. than, than what Lizzo is. And w- at what point did that change where you said, well, we'd like to have her, but then all of a sudden became, no, 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 no she needs to headline? Um, I, I don't know what exactly, yeah. at what point. I, I think that, you know, in terms of when we were, when we were discussing booking her for, for 2020, um, it was almost always in that in that sort yeah. of headline yeah, area. Yeah, that's um, and uh, you know we could see where it was going. You yeah. know, and and obviously, um, you know, we kind of had a feeling that you know, if if we did headline her and she was going to be at the top of the poster come January, that was going to be a pretty smart move. Yeah. Um, and turns out, I think we were right. I'm just fascinated as to when that when that happened. Like, was that like October or September? You know, it's like one of those things because you had had to really foresee something big happening. And I, the only reason I say that is because now I don't mean to, to do this. But I know Barry is going to kill me. This is a this is a lineup built uh, all for Brad uh, because uh, there are there are landmines of me uh, patting myself on the back way too much in this lineup. But Lizzo, I was lucky enough to be the first person ever player on the radio. And I found her on this blog, right? And this was last October. And she loved it so much that she repaid us by coming to play a show just in Chattanooga for free. And that was in May. And in May, she already had her, her management telling me that she was they were going to be doing arenas by the end of the tour. So if they foresaw yeah. it, I wonder how much of the, the conversation then changed when she was going to be booking all of 2020. So a year and a half out, she was already saying, no, 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 we know exactly where this is going. And I wonder how much of the conversation that was with you guys. Well, if I could just jump in for a second. I think Benson actually booked Lizzo first on one of our festivals in like 13 or Yes, 15. it was 2016. Was it 2016? I don't remember the year she played. It was a long time ago. You're talking about when she played Forecastle, yeah. Yeah, Forecastle, and it was the first festival that Lizzo played in the United States. Yeah. So when you, I think one of the things for Bonnaroo fans to really understand is that Steve and Brian have decades plus experience booking, and it's not just on Bonnaroo. We do uh, eight eight or nine festivals this year. It's kind of hard to keep track of it. We're (laughs) We're booking in general between festivals. It shows over a thousand shows a year. So you get in deep and start to develop these relationships with managers and agents and artists, and then it just becomes part of your DNA. Right. And kind of like what you do with your life is like be a part of this. And then all of it just starts, it's like you're in the Tennessee River and you're just kind of going in a direction with the entire, like all of these people. So really, when I think about what these guys did incredibly getting Lizzo on Bonnaroo as a headliner, which I think is, is a big moment beyond just the music, uh, it really started at the beginning mm-hmm. because of the relationship that, that we had with Lizzo's manager and agent and giving her a chance on this other festival. And that's really what it takes. Like with all the artists, like everyone doesn't have a story like that. Right. But many of these stories start at the beginning or start with what Brian was saying five or six years ago with hey, we really think this would be an important look for your career at some point to come headline Bonnaroo. Let's start the conversation and see what that looks like. Yeah, and along those lines, I'll go ahead and ask the question because I know some people are are wondering, but Lizzo is the first female headliner in Bonnaroo history. And when Brad mentioned that to me last year, I was like, 
really that doesn't doesn't seem right it just kind of snuck up on me and I wondered if that's how it was sort of for you guys uh, I mean I don't think it was intentional you just sort of maybe looked up and uh, like wow um, uh, how did that happen kind of thing so you know here we are 18 years down the road um, and now she's the first yeah, I, I'd say, you know, uh, uh, certainly you know, reaction-wise, that was part of it. But, you know, it's, it's obviously, um, you know, she's a perfect fit for us this year. And uh, we're, we're elated that she's, you know, she's the first one to, to, to top the list there, for sure. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. You, you, you look around and you think, well, okay, who should it have been and what year? Because uh, you guys, you booked the best acts available, right? We booked the best acts available. And... Um, First female headliner, sure. Um, first attempt at a female headliner, definitely not. Right. You know, and so um, I think that you know that it's you know obviously booking a festival is like we kind of alluded to at the beginning. It's it's a process. It's 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 literally it's it's putting together a big puzzle, and there are lots of reasons that acts do or do not end up on the bill, um, and. Um, and this is, uh, you know, this is the first time that, that that happened. So when it comes to where uh, artists are put on the lineup, do you guys uh, specifically know where they're going to fit, what slot they're going to uh, be on the poster slash the schedule? Uh, when you say, yeah, Lizzo <clears throat> could definitely be a headliner, but so could Miley. Was there a conversation of, well, let's flip those? Or did you know all the time, the whole time, that this certain artist was going to fit this certain slot? Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. we know. We know. That's how we, that, and that's how we booked the, that's how we yeah. booked the festival. Um, and that's an interesting question. And, you know, we, 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 we slot artists as we book the event. Um, and we do it that way because we are very sensitive to conflict in the schedule Mm -hmm. and we do everything we can to limit those as much as possible. Whenever you have a festival that has multiple stages that are running uh, congruently or or up against one another, especially the size of Bonnaroo where you have five, six, seven, eight stages going at once, um, there's gonna be conflicts there's conflicts that we don't think are conflicts that then the fans tell us are conflicts and then we're like oh (laughs) that was gonna be a conflict but you know and you know a conflict could be you know 10 people just happen to like these two bands that are way different or it could be like oh we really blew that one you know so but yes we we slot artists as we book um in wiggle room you have when it comes to if you already book with the schedule in mind, how much wiggle room do you have either with the artist or with your own sort of? Because I can I can understand if somebody all of a sudden blows up in a way that you don't yeah. didn't really see it, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, we got him on this tent at a time that's really not very comfortable for us. Well, those conversations happen. Um, you know, they're rare, but they do happen. We've we've run into that in the past. Um, I think the first time we ever booked Mumford, I remember, um, it was kind of this thing that 
Yep. just kind of happened over. I mean, they exploded so quickly yep. and the, you know, we had them on Bonnaroo that year. And when we, when we confirmed them to when the festival actually happened, it was a rocket ship. Yep. And I remember having to make some adjustments there. Really? Um, and those are tough conversations because you, you know, every artist is slotted at this point. And so to, uh, have to make adjustments on the fly because of an artist uh, getting a lot bigger. Um, you know, then you have to go have some tough conversations with some, with some of the other artists, but we work through it. Yeah. Right. And during the pro, I mean, and that's now, but the process is fluid, like while we're booking it, because things ebb and, and flow. Artists that we thought we were going to have um, fall out, um, artists that we didn't think we were going to have rear their heads, and we're like, oh, we really want that. So, you know, we may have something slotted in a particular place in October and then it makes more sense or it's more exciting or whatever to move it to a different place by November. We do that. And it's, it's a constant conversation with the artists and their camps. Um, and most of the time they're okay with it. It, I mean, most of the time, yeah. it, but we rarely are, are doing something that's going to have a negative effect right. on any of the artists. Like if we're moving something, it's it's rare. Like Brian said, that it's because we booked. You know, I think Phoenix was another one that we booked on. Like uh, what we used to call the cafe stages. You know, yeah. like who stage now? And then it was like, oh, we should probably move them to a tent. You know, that same year. Um, it's rare that that's happening, or the Mumford story is happening. It's more about flow and the festival experience. Right. So. Generally speaking, when we're going back to somebody and being like, hey, we think we need we would like to move your act um, to this new position. It's not just because Mm -hmm. there's like a good reason for it. And, you know, if we believe in it, then generally we can, you know, convince the artists and and their teams that it makes sense. Yeah. And hopefully by this point, um, there aren't any changes that would be ideal. Um, but throughout the process, the get, you know, the the way our grid looks changes every day Mm -hmm. and it's a, uh, it's just a matter of, um, you know, Oh, you know, an agent calls and says, Oh, we can only play on Sunday now. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we've got to move right. some things. Around. So this, I mean, this is constantly happening or we have an artist slotted in a slot and it's an offer that isn't yet confirmed and then they don't confirm. And so that opens up a spot and then we have a new decision to make. And this is really where, I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't stress enough how much fun we have doing yeah. this together yeah. because yeah. It, it, it's, it's really, w- w- when you get down to it, it's um, we, we really do it like if if we have uh, a slot open on friday in a tent we really look at all right what what do we have that's confirmed in this slot on the other stages what do we need there what do we what what could we put there that is going to fit you know with the mix of of other artists that are going to be playing at that time you know and that's really where we have a lot of fun with it and that's really really where we get to play curator yeah you know and really and really and really place hey what would be really cool oh what if what if and this is where we get together what if we did this right there let's reach out and let's see if that acts available and this is where we really get to um you know piece together the bill spotify playlist really oh for sure yeah yeah 
Yeah, and 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 the the, the biggest challenge is, um, or one of the biggest challenges is, you know, uh, it's it's almost like the blessing and the curse, right? We we're 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 blessed with the fact that we are uh, lucky enough to get to book one of the best festivals in the world that almost every artist in the world wants to play. The curse side of it is that every artist in the world wants, wants to, play to play it, it. and we only have a hundred and whatever slots yeah. that we have. Are you getting calls now saying, "Hey, can we get on today?" Can well, we it's calmed show? down a little yeah. bit at this point, but um, you, you might imagine the uh, the intensity level from say July to January. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there is a level though that if I don't know, just say Jay Z called up, you're like, you know, we might be able to slot you in. Uh, we might be able to fit yeah. you in. And I'm not. Yeah, we I, got I, a spot. We got a spot. Yeah, we always we always have a spot for Jay Z. I, 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 I don't that say that right now. I don't say that complaining at all I'm just saying it it um are, are we have a lot of options and it can be a little um, daunting sometimes to say what's what's the right choice yeah. because a lot of times um, you know we're we're choosing um, you know between a bunch of artists that we want them all on yeah I'm just sitting here thinking about some of the things that can affect whether you get an artist. Uh, I'm sure when you were talking to management, you want to know if they're going to have a new record out, if they're going to be touring. Those things kind of, kind of things can impact radio play and, and marketing. Um, but I'm thinking about like Macklemore a couple of years ago, came back for the second year. He had a new album out, and, and we all sort of thought maybe, you know, you guys were counting on it doing really well, and it didn't do as well, uh, and that can impact it. And that's, that's maybe one of the negative sort of things but then you've got like St. Paul and the Broken Bones where he's booked and he goes on Letterman and Letterman just goes gaga over him um, you know you don't you don't see that coming you can't count on that kind of thing uh, you didn't know when you booked Lizzo for example that she was going to get eight Grammy nominations but you have to sort of be able to adapt right so the idea that you start booking a year and a half out is fascinating to me because uh, then you got to acts like Tool, who you know are always going to well, be. That's, good. that's a big a big part of it is that it's like those huge acts because that's their, you know, that's how far out they plan. Um, you know, so a lot of the undercard is still like that's booked later, um, but those those big ones are it's driven. Now about the undercard, uh, how many of the undercard, and you don't have to tell me a number, you don't even have to answer if you don't want to, but how much of the undercard comes along with some of the bands you've booked at the top? Meaning, like, yeah, like, hey, can you help us out oh. with this? Can you, if if we give you an insert artist here, can then a couple, can we throw in a couple to help us out? Yeah, we just don't really do it that yeah. way. Okay, you know, it's, um, you know, if we're excited about an act and we think they fit the festival, we try to book them. Yep. I mean, it's really. I mean, has there ever been a band? <laughs> I don't mean, I don't mean to oversimplify. That is, that's it, actually true. Like, yeah. we, we don't like. It, it, the package deal is not. But there's something never been we, a band that you booked that. Uh, yeah, we didn't really listen to them. We sort of put them on there. That would be kind of funny. Like, uh, you know, we have a slot. Let's just throw them, throw them a bone. I, honestly, I, and I'm I'm being very sincere here. No, <laughs> no, we we somebody we t- has listened to him. Yeah, sure. yeah, somebody, somebody in somebody in the building. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. Again, you you can answer how you want to, but and, and forgive me, there was alcohol involved at Moon River <laughs> when I suggested that you get alcohol. I thought you were going to talk about Camp Nut Butter as soon as you said alcohol. <laughs> well, I don't know what no, Camp no. Nut Butter is, That's by our the camp. way. Okay. We want you to come back this year. You can, uh, Thanks for the invite. Yeah, sure. I, I bet you get this. You guys get this all the time. To make them upset, I know who you should vote. Uh-huh. You know. That never happens, baby. <laughs> right. 
Dolly is one of those, and I'm using her just because she's on top of everybody's list. Such an obvious one, right? I'm sure you get people say, why haven't you booked her? It's that easy, right? Remember (laughs) when uh, Brian said earlier that we've... Lizzo's the first headliner, but not the first that we've tried. Right. Probably an every year thing. It's maybe a good example for somebody out there who doesn't understand how these things are booked, right? You are trying. There's lots of things that happen from whether she just wants to, the money, the timing, right? I mean, what are the sorts of things that you that you are up against when you want to go after somebody you want? Oh, it could be an, it could be a bunch of things, Barry. I, you know, um, you know, just you know, the date doesn't work, um, not working in that time frame, not the right time for their career, not on cycle. They have to want to do. You have to yeah. want to do it. I Don't the money, you know, or 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 our financial offer doesn't match their yep. expectation, um, or we just don't have the right slaughter position for them in that moment. I mean, there's, and I could go on and on. Um, So many things have to go right for a booking to happen, especially when you're talking about the top 10 to 12 artists on the bill. Um, And it's just, again, it's a, it's a long process that Steve and I go through. And, and again, we, we want to make sure that it's as balanced as possible. And, um, that's kind, of, that's kind of how we do it. And all that being said, we would love to have Dolly <laughs> out there. Right. We're, we'll build, probably, we're building the we'll probably try. Dolly. We'll probably, we'll probably try again next year. So, <laughs> um, I think I think one thing to note, and um, this is one of one of the things I wanted to make sure to mention. Um, going back to your question about data, um, you know, we do look at a lot of data. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's across the board is what we do for a living. We book bands, um, not only at festivals, but we book, you know, regular shows, um, as well. And we, we're looking at a lot of data. We have conversations with our marketing team and, and, and our data team a lot about the numbers and, and, and what the fans are excited about. And this is one of the main points I wanted to make. We look at, the 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 survey and the poll results a yeah. lot you know so if you fill out a post festival survey if you attend Bonnaroo and you fill out that survey about who you want to see in 2021 that is actually we will see getting yeah. to the bookers of yeah. the festival and we actually are looking at that we're taking that data into account and we're looking at it very carefully yeah. and it's one of the things like Obviously, Tame Impala has been one of the most requested artists for the festival for years, yeah. but they were ostensibly the number one most requested artist to play Bonnaroo in 2020. Yeah. Um, no kidding. We would have probably booked them regardless, but mm-hmm. that was important to know. Right. King Gizzard, going yeah. back to Steve's comment about having seen them in Asheville, but we also knew because the Bonnaroo fans told us they wanted to see them yeah. play out there. And has the Bonner audience turned you on to a band that you didn't know before that you then went to see and said, man, this was something I didn't know until until they were they were told to me. Probably. I mean, I, I would I would say yeah. I, I can't think of any specific, specific. examples, yeah. but um, th- th- there's probably something I mean, we've seen yeah. in there. Th- and, th- or th- things yeah. that we've thought things that we've maybe had heard, but never delved right. as deeply into or put together. I mean, because it's not just like the surveys and things like that but we look at the 
the socials, the Reddit, mm-hmm. like all the you know all of that stuff. Like we're we're listening to the fans. I would say it's less of a been turned on to something we didn't know, and maybe more of a um, we didn't we weren't maybe thinking that we were going to prioritize that act right. as much as we will now because we know the Bonnaroo audience is really saying we really want to yeah. see him out here. Do you feel that, do you feel that way that? Um, Specific to Bonnaroo because the engagement and the uh, the audience is so active, 360 days a year. Uh, is it is that why it is? Because I can't think of another um, brand that has sort of a connection that is so right there along with their hand in hand with their audience. More with Steve, Ted, and Brian from AC Entertainment here in seconds. Uh, this is just such a fascinating conversation. There's so much more that we want to get to. Uh, and I hope that you're following along the whatpodcast.com or the what podcast or the what underscore podcast on Twitter. Barry Quarter. Uh, we've got some Patreons to thank uh, before we uh, keep going with the uh, guys from AC. These guys are great, right? I mean, we just put this thing out there last month and wow the reaction has been amazing yeah we didn't think can't thank you guys enough yeah i mean honestly i mean people in my family don't like me this much so they know you (laughs) i really appreciate it if if you patreons knew him like i knew him Uh you know yeah sure all right so this is uh what we got so uh since uh january we've got dan sweeney lucy young linda doles chelsea davis Jason Hazelbaker and Ella. Uh, let's get back into our chat with the guys from AC Entertainment about the 2020 Bonnaroo lineup on the What Podcast. To go back to your question, the the level of engagement from the audience is um, it's incredible, and 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 it does it, it helps us. Um, so I would just say, look, if you're watching or listening to this right now, please, we 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 want the feedback um, because we look at it, it, it gets to us, we see it. We take it into consideration as best we can, and we we do. Um, it, it really helps us craft uh, craft the lineup every well, year. See, this is why it's not the only thing that we look at, but it, it is a data point it, that we yeah. that we have and that we see yeah. and that we take into consideration. But see, this is why I think that the most successful brands in the world uh, put their brand values up front, and then they show them to you, and then they actually live them on a you know very regular basis. The reason why we do this this show is because. We love the brand so much. We love the values so much. And if those things are, uh, and I have no reason to doubt you because you've, you've proved it, but when you say stuff like that and then you actually live it, that's showing how much your brand value means to the user. And if that's the case, the user experience becomes so much more authentic and real and connected to, um, uh, to the overall festival. I mean, that's why we do this. That's why we do this show, and we, 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 that's why we engage on a 15-year level that we have, you know? Um, and that's why we're sitting here with you, right, you know, yeah. because we want to yeah. um, not be faceless necessarily, you know, because we, we take a lot of pride in, in booking this event. Yeah. Um, we don't take it for granted, and we understand, I mean, the, um, it, it's, it's a daunting task, really and, and it's and again going back to the process it's one that really almost never stops right you know we never are not booking bonnaroo yeah. in a way right because sure. even though we may not be making a ton of offers right now for 2021 because it's so far like out but we're always well, exactly. yes, thinking totally. about yeah. you know I'll, I'll probably pop into steve's office after this in an hour and go oh i just had an idea for, yeah. for yeah. Now. And it, that's the 
that's the constant dialogue that we have and we're always thinking about what are we going to do next yeah i want to go back to what barry asked before because i don't think yeah you guys ever really answered it but he was talking about what's the mission just kind of from the thirty thousand foot view because i'm not doing any of the heavy lifting you're the mission guy yeah yeah maybe i'm the mission guy um but like i think what's important is that from just this conversation it's the relationship between the booking what we do with marketing what we do with experience what we do with our partners at c3 to really set the stage so this is amazing for everybody but then these two guys have to go out there and really live it and they're not just trying to put together a relationship that at the end of the day sells tickets they're trying to they're looking in the mirror and just want to be super proud of of what they've done because it's almost like you're married to the Bonnaroo fans like there's a relationship there it's very different from a lot of other things so these two guys are doing like tons of work all year long with an expectation not just to put it out there but how how the fans and how people who are Bonnarooians are going to respond to it and really trying to create something that they're going to delight in not just like and buy tickets to but just be so psyched that this four-day festival is like the highlight of the year. I love how you just said it's like a marriage. Because if you're married, you have to make your partner happy damn near every day. Yeah, right? or, or just yeah, like a deep from, relationship. And this ties into what you, I think you were asking a second ago, too, about like the fe- like who's on the bill and like how is it different from booking other festivals. Because we book a bunch of other festivals. But like marriage, you want to make your partner happy most all the time that starts at when you get up in the morning when you go to bed at night at Bonnaroo it starts with the first band that plays on a tent and the first act that finishes at 4 a.m. yeah we talk about the experience and and how important that is uh it seems like a little thing maybe but two years ago leaving the Moon River Festival which you guys do and seeing Jeff Cuellar in a banana costume it seems like such a little thing but you leave there with a smile on your face and those little things add up. Uh, you know, we've all heard the comments that it started as a jam band festival and it has changed. Some people think not for the better, but things like grass and shade and bathrooms, they definitely changed the festival. So how much does things, how much does that total experience and having things like the plazas play into what you guys... The plazas the you plazas, now have to book that, now. That's But no, and, but again, that's like... This is really important because we live and, and breathe these stages and the bands on the poster and things like that. But that's not all Bonnaroo is. It's the experience. And the plazas, like, you know, our friends at C3 do the programming, majority of the programming at the plazas. And those plazas, I mean, have changed the experience completely. Um, or where in the woods or all these new things that make it not just about the bands on the stage. It's all a big, huge experience from start to finish. Um, you know, that's a not really... Job, yeah, that, please. That changes who you're now marketing to, right? That's Absolutely. Thinking about, you know, who could play there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. It all, it all fits together. And, you know, who, like, Sunday morning on a stage, you know, what do you want to see after you've maybe Brad been... Maybe been up till four o'clock in the morning dancing at Where in the Woods. You know, it all sort of bleeds together. Um, and like, you know, what do we, what do we have on Sunday morning? I don't remember right now. But like, it all like 
fits together as a whole. Sunday at one on the wet stage. I really want to go to church every year. Uh, the days of like the um, the Mavis Staples oh, sure, and yeah. the Sharon Jones and the Charles Bradley. Oh, I miss that slot so much. I really do. Who, when the lineup came out, we were all stunned, and it was Miley Cyrus. That, I mean, the lineup was so strong. But seeing Miley on there. We gotta throw a wild card in there yeah. every year, right? Like, who gets to take credit for that? <laughs> I don't know. We, it's. Uh, no, I mean, we, we all. I was just like, <laughs> from my perspective, I think that Miley gets a, and her team gets yeah, a lot of the credit absolutely. because this, you know, is just an example of an artist that really has uh, some incredible vision and and I think. Let's take it back because it all ties together. It takes it back to the the Bonnaroo fans and how they're perceived not just by our relationship with them, but by artists around the world as the number one music fans who are tastemakers, yeah. who can create trends, and who can really set the stage for a career to take a different path. Mm. And I think Miley wanted more than anything, without speaking to her, to get in front of this audience and you know experience what they're like and take it you know just take it to them that's a that's a interesting i've got two two questions about miley one not necessarily about miley um but when you know she's going to be on some other festival lineups uh indirect question do you guys look at other festival lineups around the country you know what's coming and you say eh, they're doing everything that doesn't really where we want to go and then secondly about miley specifically you think that she has a little bit more of a uh, want to for Bonnaroo and prove something on the Bonnaroo stage because it's hometown? Do you think that she's, you know, you know, an hour away from her house and has got some friends that she wants to bring? She wants to bring a different level of show maybe for Bonnaroo because it's so close to home? She definitely wanted to play the festival. I don't want to speculate on her motives um, because I don't know the answer to that. But I, I can imagine it's going to be... Um, going to be a high level show from her at, at Bonnaroo um, you know given the the, the, the hometown vibe and, and ties um, but yeah I think you know again it goes back to something that Ted said earlier you know um, you know artists you know we like artists that want to play you know we like artists that want to be at Bonnaroo and um, that's not always the case believe it or not and that's okay um, but you know the ones that really embrace what we're trying to do as a festival, as a you know what we're trying to deliver to the fan base, what the fans expect. Um, those are the ones that really excel and do really well to, at the event. And to to jump back to your first question about Miley and like she's playing other festivals. Right. Yes, um, we do pay attention to who's playing other festivals. We can't control it, and we don't always know. Um, we do want to have our own identity, but we don't let that like drive the programming completely. But again, you know, the interesting thing about Bonnaroo is, yeah, Miley Cyrus is on a lot of different festival lineups this year, but it's going to be a totally different experience right. the way we present her at Bonnaroo right. than the way she's presented at most other festivals. When you guys it get fits, it just looks different. The experience is different. You know, I think the fan reaction will be different yeah you know you just uh, I, I wonder I circle back and you know I wonder if if there's ever a time where you see a band that's just doing everything and you're like uh, that's just we don't want to be just another another festival that you play um, you know anyway uh, but to a, a different point when you guys uh, book insert Miley or 
I'll put it this way. I was having a conversation with Evan down the hall. I think that, and I don't know if this was on purpose, but I think your headliners alone are going to bring maybe the best three stage shows that you have ever had as a headliner, right? These are stage shows first, and it's not necessarily a recorded album. You may or may not like Lizzo or, or Tool, but the stage show that they bring is unbelievable, especially the Tame Impala thing if you saw the show after LCD Sound System a couple years ago. But the uh, I don't remember a headliner a top three that have had this level of stage show back to back to back. Post Malone's fine, but it's not a stage show like Tool's going to be. Is that in the mind? Is that in the back of the mind at all? Yeah, I, I think I, I think it is somewhat. I, you know, we um, were because I wonder we're, how much we're, production yeah. costs or production in general plays into the overall booking process. Um. I don't know. I, I, it doesn't really not not for me. What do you yeah, think? I mean, right. I mean, one of my, one of my favorite shows of the past whatever uh, recent memory of Bonnaroo was Sturgill. Right. My God, that show! <laughs> right, was so right, right. Good. You know, in you know, white lights it, and four guys on the stage. Exactly, that's it. Exactly. No video, yep. no moving lights, nothing, yep. and you know, heading you know from dusk till dark on the main stage of Bonnaroo and with no production and just shredded yeah. Yeah. and so you know like, no yeah, I, I, yeah. it doesn't exactly right yeah. right you know it's all about the musicianship and the and yeah. the live um music aspect of it and uh, that, that's definitely where we tend to go at bonnaroo mm-hmm. does that make does that make yeah, sense yeah. the criticism of jam band roots that's where we started we certainly evolved right over the years we had to and and we will continue to evolve but you know i'd say one thing that always um kind of goes back to that those roots is that live live and you know show high level obviously we understand that and that doesn't mean it has to be a jam band right? right it's but but it's just and to me if you look at the undercard this year um, you know, we so much of what we do still is rooted in that. You know, when How many you shows, you guys think you see a year. I don't know. I mean, it's what we do. Five a week? Are you a five a week? Um, well, with with with, with with young children, yeah, yeah not, not not we don't we can't you know we, we send yeah. the uh, we send the young staff out for that okay. kind of stuff, yeah. but uh, we see a lot of shows. We still yeah. see you a guys, ton of shows. You must yeah. really trust your staff because you can't see every person that you've booked. You know, you you probably have no, not seen no, every live. No, no, no. no. But um, I think of somebody like Yola, who I think is the, like your 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 secret weapon this year. Who's going? I mean, she's got a Grammy nomination for mm-hmm. crying out loud. And and how you found her when you booked her, I don't know. But I got I have a feeling it's a Dan Arbach connection. Um, but I love that album and I love her so much. But I don't know what she's going to be live, and I don't know if anybody's seen her live. And this boy, is where boy. this is where Steve, you know, I don't know, not to toot new horns, but Steve and I have been doing this for a long time. Yeah, um, I was turned on to Yola. Um, I was, let's call it a year and a half ago. Um, it could have been a little less, but let's say it's about that. And kind of knew the connection with Massive Attack and her history. Mm-hmm. And then I listened. I got I got a couple of um, songs before the record came out. And again, this is where we have you know just being who we are in the professionals and being in the business. We 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 get turned on to things before 
they're really out yeah. there. Yeah. And I just remember listening to the to the first couple of tracks that I heard, and and you just know right. that is going to be yep. a thing, and, you know. Uh, and, and, and he did. I mean, it, so we jumped that. on it. We yeah. we had we booked her. I think I you know the the first event we had her on was our um, inaugural Railbird Festival in Lexington, Kentucky last year, and she opened one of the stages. And since then. You know, obviously her career has really taken off, but we knew, yeah. you know, we really need to get her on Bonnaroo. But so much about an artist like that is it's, it's, you know, timing really plays into a huge part of it, yeah, right? Because you, it, it's, it's important. I don't know what kind of cycle we're right. on. There's so many bands to book in any mm-hmm. given year. Mm-hmm. And, Really, if you think about it, like if you're an artist that's breaking, what's your what's the opportunity that you have at Bonnaroo? It's really you almost have like one shot at it, right? right? Because yeah. if if we book you, and it isn't the right time in your career, right. or we don't, you know, or or it's not the right slot or look or whatever mm-hmm. it may be, then the opportunity to come back is what are we five year four years five yeah. years three it depends on the, the artist and what sure. happens in their career but we're not really repeating an very artist rarely. very yeah. very regularly but it's the hard ones that you do yeah, and, but the ones that you do like you guys can go through and probably really take some pride in the amount of artists that you think you probably broke started small sure i mean i i can go off the list here i mean i think you broke the alabama shakes um i mean i think you broke the black keys um uh banks banks and put her on a look that she hasn't had since um so i don't know that we're breaking any like i'm just like i hear that and i just i feel yeah, like i don't I, I don't know that that's the right word yeah, I, we're, we're we, we have the opportunity with a great look with a with right. a great we, uh really music head audience yeah. but i don't know that we're breaking Break, yeah exactly i mean i think it's yeah. it's more especially in the, the southeastern region it's like right. it's very valuable um to help you know build awareness and we've definitely like that's not lost on us or anyone yeah. else but break is not the right word but we've also been i think a lot of that also speaks to just being like engaged and being like you know i, I was actually <clears throat> I did an interview with the LA Times last week about Tame Impala because they're doing a Tame Impala. And we've had Tame Impala on the festival three times, Mm -hmm. um, starting with a tent Mm -hmm. on a Sunday at 6 p.m. That was in 2013, I believe, when the the second record was just kind of breaking. They came back in 2016 and did the late night set Mm -hmm. on second stage, which you referenced earlier, and now they're headlining. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, we didn't break Tame Impala but we knew that Tame Impala was a great band, and we, you know, but I bet there are a bunch of artists that really, really thank you a lot. Uh, well, oh, you know, we, sure we, we provide an opportunity, an opportunity. And, and but I think what we're I think one of the there, there's a couple of things you're missing though, right? Because we're just a we're just one part of it, yeah. you know. Because just because we book a band. Uh, and give them an opportunity at Bonnaroo, that isn't the end of the story, right? It's t- to me, there's two other huge factors there. One, the artist still has to come out and perform and and put on an amazing show. But then the number one thing, the, the reason why we get so excited to book the undercard and the early slots at Bonnaroo is because it doesn't matter 
if we book a band early in a 10 or on a on, on the who stage or whatever if nobody shows up to see him yeah. and that's why bonnaroo is the best festival in the world because our audience shows up yeah. to every, every show. show because it gives us the confidence as it really allows us to be curators and taste makers and say hey we we really think you are going to be turned on by this. Yeah. We're going to put it on Bonnaroo because we have the confidence that the audience they're showing up and they're going to right. go see that act. Yep. And then it's on the audience and the artist yeah. whether or not that act breaks or not. It's not really. I mean, we're 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 setting the stage, but right. it's not we're not breaking anyone right. really. Like, I don't like, know if that's the, the right word. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah. It, to me, it's like Lizzo. Like Lizzo is breaking and blowing up regardless of her Bonnaroo performance. I think we enhance and maybe accelerate it with like a lot of media exposure. But to what Brian was saying earlier, I think one of the real challenges is the blessing and the curse. You know, everybody wants to play it. Well, that means if there's pressure coming from the artist pressure goes to the agent and the manager like hey this is really important to us regardless of if it's the right play that you're like what these guys are saying steve and brian do a great job of you only break once you only get like one shot to to hit the bonnaroo tent and really set it on fire and a lot of times the artist and the manager and the agent are are just responding for pressure Mm. and you know everybody wants to do it and it doesn't mean it's not the right time but it goes back to the artist and the manager really is where it starts. It starts with the art and having an idea of the timing of presenting themselves in this format on this festival. And it's, it's really like once you get on the other side of the curtain, a lot of times it's no surprise that certain artists become successful because all of these little decisions add up to success. When am I going to break at Bonnaroo? When am I going to pray Lollapalooza ACL? Like, when is that look going to be? I want to wait and make sure that when I do it, it explodes. Mm-hmm. Not when I do it, it's a little bit of a bump. Right. And I think on on our side, with what Steve and Brian are doing, they, they are, like, driving the ship in some ways and reaching out. But in a lot of ways, they're responding to who's reaching out to them. And their job is to figure out where the breaking moments are and to really try to find that for the year that's a year and a half out but a lot of it like the curse part is coming from that pressure like everybody wants to do it Mm -hmm. because everyone thinks this will be the silver bullet that will take my career from here to here but that's not the case unless you're ready to go have you ever said no to somebody who wasn't ready sure yeah 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 Yeah. i mean there's it, the harsh reality is we say no a, a lot. lot. Right. <laughs> we, That's what I was going to say. I mean, we have to just, have some hard conversations yeah, right. year in, year out. And it all ties in really to what a lot of times to what Ted was saying. It's like, you know, we get a lot of pressure and sometimes it's not the right fit for us. You know, us being Bonnaroo. It's not the right timing for the artist. And a lot of times that's a hard, you know, pill to swallow on the artist side. But yeah. But sometimes it's actually, it's interesting. There was an example this year, I'm not going to name names, but it was where where we wanted them on the event and they turned it down because they didn't think it was the right look for the artist. And we, we didn't necessarily see eye to eye um, on, on where it fit in. And so they were like, well, we're just going to wait. And, and totally respected that decision, you know? Um, and we'll probably have her on the festival next year. Part one completes for our chat with 
Steve, Ted, and Brian from AC Entertainment, the guys that booked the uh, the lineup. Now uh, we appreciate you listening. If you were listening, uh, I know there's some like some wonky uh, Barry Quarter audio issues. Which here's what's crazy: it happens all the time. <laughs> Barry Quarter's audio always just seems to be a little little off every time. And I think I'm yelling. I think I'm screaming. I don't think I'm. It's so quiet. How long have I known you? I've never heard you yell. That's a good point. I probably haven't ever. You probably never. I'm heard probably me. the closest person in your life that you've yelled yelled at. I yell at my car, and uh-huh. that's about it. my cat. Yeah, <laughs> there was a time where me I'm and Barry took a little. Uh, we took a road trip to Knoxville, oh, of course, as you saw. Yell. But uh, me and him took a uh, road trip to Forecastle one year, and I annoyed him so badly at about three o'clock in the morning. I thought he was going to reach through the wall and choke the hell out of me. Well, I told you about the dream that I later had where you started doing that again while we were at Bonnaroo and I came out of the tent and just went gray paper. <laughs> grabbed you by the ankles. <laughs> I might I might have spent the entire night sitting in one bedroom while he was in the other just yelling, Barry! Oh, Barry, do you like grapes? Bad memory. It's very strange. But anyway, what a what a interesting conversation with these guys, and what a what a great way to kick this year off. Yeah, how about uh, that little nugget of information that uh, King Lizard uh, yeah. uh, is? Uh, I'm sorry, King King Grizzard is going to be with the um, doing late night. That's a big piece of information. We didn't know that. You well, know? not just that, but out of that conversation, not only do they know who they're going after, but where they're going to play and when. Yeah, that's. I mean that's a lot of balls in the air. That was to something trying to keep straight. We we thought that we had most of this figured out. I did not think that that's how they did it. No, I, I did not think that they knew exactly where certain bands were going to play. Now I I had I had this idea that they they have to know when they're going to book somebody like Brittany Howard. She needs to know certain something like that. We know you're going to be on a you know Friday. We know it's going to be somewhere between four and ten. But I didn't know they specifically knew exactly which slot they were going to put. Each and every band. And it makes me think, you know, about all the questions that we may have missed. Now, you get to watch part two next week and listen to it on Spotify, iTunes, and all of your uh, uh, Android devices, all your devices. But when somebody like Brittany Howard, if she were to pull out, yeah, I wonder who the backup would have been. And I know they probably wouldn't have told me because, you know, that gives, gives a lot of things away. But boy, uh, what happens when somebody like that falls through? If you've already got everything already lined up on the grid and already on the schedule, who do you slide in there? Do you find somebody that's more like her? Do you find somebody that's totally just who you can get? I that part I wish that I would have you know thought to ask. I mean, you do it. You do the rotisserie football, and I don't know if you do baseball, but rotisserie football. What's it called? What's it? (laughs) That's fantasy football. Fantasy. It's changed. We used to call it rotisserie. Fan. (laughs) You do fantasy football. That's what I always sort of imagine. It, uh-huh. You know, is you go in with your list. Oh yeah, picking players. And your your number one's gone. Yeah. And you know, depending on where you are, I mean, it's somewhat similar to that. But the other thing, um, oh, that is an interesting analogy. That is a very quarter, especially. Yeah. Well, you know, but you go in with your list, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they go in with their list, but. Here in what it was, uh, Grizzard, right? That he saw at a club. Was yeah. that the act that he yeah. saw? And he's like, I know where this needs to be. Late night, late yeah. night of Bonnaroo. Calling uh, Brian and and got it. You know. Yeah. I, I I don't know what I thought. I thought you said it right that they go with their gut, but the fact that they have it all in their head mm-hmm. years on out. I think we talked about driving home. 
how hard it would be if you dropped two people brand new in and said, go book right, this thing. Right, Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck trying to figure out this because these guys, like we said in the, in the show, a sponge, and they've got to be thinking about every angle. And it's like octopus arms. They've just got to always be thinking about uh, who goes where, where it's going to go, if it falls through. Boy, the pressure that has and that's why you know you you probably give them a little bit more leniency if it's a lineup that you don't necessarily think is for you this is really really hard and and i don't know how the other i know how some of the other festivals do it but i don't know how the big ones like Lollapalooza. I, Lollapalooza is a big committee man a big committee of, of people uh, i don't know how golden voice and coachella d- uh, does their lineup but for two guys to be able to keep all of this straight is pretty remarkable not just that, but they do other events, and they admitted themselves, right. this one's different. And it's because, and this was fascinating to me, all of the elements that you and I have talked about and sort of come to realize that are part of this festival, the plazas, the experiences, mm-hmm. they have to keep that right. in mind as well. Yeah. What's marketing doing? What's what's uh, the plaza? What's going on in there? How How is what we are doing going to work with that mm-hmm. i mean so it's not just a crawl in a hole right. and get 80 acts or 100 acts yeah there's a lot to consider yeah so. and we appreciate you listening we appreciate you uh, being a patreon uh we've got some patreons that we want to thank and we're going to do that right here on the screen uh, you, if you're uh, listening uh, on the uh, the podcast version at uh, thewhatpodcast.com, uh, we'll read them to you. But if you're on the screen, they're scrolling past us right now. You know why? Because Lord Taco is a genius and That's he's figured this out. Yes. Patreon, since January 1st, man, we can't thank you enough. David Grimes, Liesl Condor, Frank Swanson, Phil Hanley, Dustin Gehrig, and Chloe Howe. He took us to Camp Nut Butter in the middle of January. Is that where we are? That's where we are. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? I'm a little overdressed. <laughs> We'll see you next week on the What Podcast, part two, happening next week. See you then. Hey, 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 hey. How y'all feeling? Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year, that matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corner. The new Super Beats Heart Shoes Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.